I'm always prepared for the shock or someone to feel uncomfortable. I mean, let's just take away that I'm plus size, okay? My boobs are huge. <laughs> so people see them and that is a shock factor usually like, oh my God. And then, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, there's a whole big body that comes with these boobs. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. And I'm Lotus Lane, and you can find me on all social media at It's Lotus Lane, which is spelled I-T-S-L-O-T-U-S-L-A-I-N. Also, just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast on Apple to please leave us a five-star review that really helps us grow on the podcast and better share the information with our guests on the sex work community as a whole. This segment of today's episode is sponsored by sex.com one of the absolute best content creator platforms out there. It looks better than any other, has a higher level of security than any other, and boasts over 3 million unique visitors a day scrolling through viral looped adult short form videos. Sex.com is like, well, (laughs) sex itself. A lot of people do it. Some just do it much, much better than the others. Sex.com, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Welcome everyone back to the On the Horizon podcast. I am here with my co-host, Lotus Lane, and the beautiful Sophia Rose. Welcome, Sophia. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. For those who are here a little less familiar with you, can you introduce yourself? Um, Sure. I am a 17, going on my 17th year in the industry. Um, (gasps) I've been filming hardcore since 2012. I'm known as a... um, are the plus size model, um, BBW performer, adult actress, kind of cam model now, doing a lot of everything. And um, yeah, kind of pioneering and trying to, you know, trailblaze for women of size and women of color, trying to um, make my impact on the industry with, um, you know, changing the stereotypes and Absolutely. I've make space for us all. Yes. <laughs> I've so me and Sophia met in like um two thousand was it like two thousand nineteen? Like a eighteen. Yeah. I think it was the end of eighteen maybe. Yeah, yeah, before before the world changed. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I was instantly drawn to you and I've been a fan of yours for a big time. Just be for a long time because of the things you stand for. Like I was always gravitated to your socials and I know I told you that when I met you, but when we wanted to talk about like body positivity in the industry and also like the way people misunderstand porn that like all body top types are not desired and, and, and I guess attractive. Whereas like when you're in the industry, you know, people in all different categories and all different types and like thriving in all of these different ways. So we wanted to kind of speak to you a little bit about that today because in you exactly, you came to mind first because I was like, oh, I know the perfect person for this. I've talked to her about this before. So I wanted to kind of get your experience of what it was like for you coming into the industry to explain and like lay out the landscape for those who um, probably don't think that it's the most accepting place. I mean, it's definitely not easy, (laughs) Um, but I started in 2000, it was uh, 
late 2006 or, and 2007 is when I like launched my website and everything. And um, in in my niche, it was that every fat chick on the internet was white and they all look the same. So when I came into the scene, it, the community was looking for something different. So I immediately just was downloaded everywhere, just this huge thing. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. And it was just because I had a different look because I was Latina, I was dark, I'm ethically ambiguous. So people are like, you know, is she mixed? Is she Middle Eastern? Is she, where is she from? I'm like, I'm just from LA, you know? Um, and so that really like shocked me and everybody I was working with. And we were just like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. And I used that momentum and continued to just like really try to push for diversity as far as size and the, the ethnicity issues. I didn't really realize at that point in time that kind of started to come later on when I started to see, you know, more and more plus size people coming into the industry. And I'm like, wait, there are not very many brown and black people here. <laughs> we need to start really pushing for that. So I would say like that was around 2009 where I really started to become more aware of how uh, marginalized we were, but there was like another group with a subgroup within the group, within the community of plus size people. So um, it was vastly different when I started and I love seeing how the community has grown so much and we've got so many types of performers with different types of plus size bodies. Um, we're not all looking exactly the same and, you know, some are medically enhanced and some are not. And I, I don't think that's, um, necessarily a negative thing, but I just, I love seeing it and, and I champion for it. And now when people are like, oh, you know, are you upset about, you know, you weren't chosen for this or, and I was like, no, this was my vision for all these years. I want people to feel good about where we are, how far we've come. And if it means, beating <laughs> Sophia Rose in an award, good, because it, it's empowering to that group and this younger group of women that are coming in. And I've even started to get, um, you know, the, the bigger male performers even going, you give me so much more confidence. And I'm like, well, yeah, I was here, but pretty much by myself as a woman of color and size in this industry. So, you know, um, I know at least three other women, they're all blonde hair, green, blue eyes, you know, white women, beautiful, but the same three stick out in my head. And, you know, they welcomed me, but I wasn't like, I was like, I don't know if I'm really ready for all this. Anyway, when I realized the need that was there, I just jumped into the hardcore performing and said, I'm just going to let it all, let it all go, go. And I didn't do any of the, um, stereotypical things like bleaching my body parts. And, you know, because that was all part of being ethnic. I wanted to just, it was very hard for me too. I wanted to be like, we need to be like really organic here and show people what we really look like. So, you know, stretch marks and you name it and it's out there and it's been so um, celebrated and I'm, I'm happy for that. And I'm proud of that. And now that I've gotten older, that's become the next part of this. Like, Oh, so now she's older <laughs> and still going strong. And I'm like, yeah, this, I, this is a phenomenon I didn't expect. You know, I thought I was going to retire two years ago, then the world changed. I love that <laughs> you said <laughs> that you didn't like succumb to like the pressures of like bleaching and like doing things like that because that can, and I love that you said that it was hard too, because like, I think we all have felt that at one point or another where it's like, you know, I'm thinking about like, do I need another breast dog or like, should I do that? Like you, you always feel a tug towards something because you see something 
you know, aesthetically pleasing or more widely accepted or whatever it may be. So like, I love that you as an established, super successful performer, were comfortable saying that. I didn't start making any changes to my body um, until I was very well established and my brand existed. So when people try to say, oh, this didn't happen or that didn't happen until she had her tummy tuck or had this done or that done, I'm like, actually, I was doing really well. Then I did those things and I actually did them because I had the intention of retiring. I knew that, you know, you make those kind of changes to your body. The fans don't like it necessarily. Well, that didn't happen for me either. That acquired a whole new group <laughs> of fans and my fan base grew. So I was like, wow, I'm like literally going against everything. It's, it's working the opposite for me, you know, going against the flow. So, um, but really getting comfortable with, you know, ethnicity and your body parts showing in their natural state was really a struggle for me. You know, I had watched porn before I got into it and I never saw, I always saw perfect pink pussies, perfect pink thighs, like everybody's thighs, everything looks so nice and aesthetically pleasing. I think as women, we always feel like there's something else we need to achieve. And I think that's normal to a degree. Um, but I I never really felt that need. It was just more of, do I feel comfortable? So once I started to get comfortable with things, it just was like, I really don't care what anybody else thinks, you know? Um, and I try to coach the younger models into that. You, you can't get into this worried about what everyone else is thinking of your body or who you are, because it, especially with the plus size women and ethnic women, we are always going to be picked on for something no matter what. <laughs> so it's sort of like, you just have to have some thick skin and be comfortable, really securing it with yourself, you know? So otherwise we all can succumb to, yeah, let's do this and do that. I resonate with so much of what you are saying, especially like as a black woman and not trying to change your appearance to fit other people's ideals. So I'm glad that you as a really established, really successful porn star is saying this because I think so many other women in the outside world that may look like us that don't have like self-esteem or they think bad things about themselves. I'm like, you have no idea how women that look just like you and I that look all different non-traditional kinds of ways are making big success out of their looks. So it really pains me sometimes to see women outside in society like that are really hard on themselves because, um, you know, you really are um, debunking that myth, Sophia, that like you have to be a traditional size and shape to make success in the sex industry or an industry that is based on looks like your looks and your success speaks for itself. And I think that that's really amazing that that you accept that without feeling like you have to change for uh, any kind of higher ranking or anything like that. Right. And and I like to be clear that that's why even once I did do my tummy tuck. I did that when it was for me and with my intentions of, I'm going to retire soon. I'm changing, making this massive change to my body. You know, the world changed. A lot of things changed. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not retiring, but it, it, you know, it, I make it clear whenever I talk about it, that it wasn't for any pressure from the industry. It wasn't any pressure. From, it was literally something I had been struggling with for 15, 20 years. and was like, I need to do this because it's driving me crazy. And I made it very clear to the surgeon. I wasn't trying to have a tummy tuck to be, you know, like, morphed into this cartoon shape, you know, <laughs> uh, body or, and I said, if my ribs are protruding from my body, when I'm done here, you failed your job. I still wanted to be soft and curvy. I wanted it to look aesthetically more natural. So, um, you know, I wasn't, I still was trying to fight like anybody's idea that, you know, she was doing this because the industry put pressure on her. 
And then I got shot with browsers right after I did that. And I was like, well, hold on. The browsers conversations was going on for two years. And I did not have my tummy tuck when those conversations were happening. So, you know, and people don't realize like I had been talking to MindGeek for that long before I got that first shoot that, you know, went viral essentially. And I've, you know, been blessed ever since, but, um, had nothing to do with the tummy tuck. I think it had everything to do with, you know, my reputation, everything I was already coming with behind me, people knowing, you know, I have a good work ethic and that I was really representing a group of women. Um, I can't tell you how many times I get DMs on Instagram, emails from women that like, oh my God, I just feel so much better having seen you perform. I'm less um, self-conscious with my partner or, you know, their partners are like, oh my gosh, my, my wife, my girlfriend or whatever, she's just feels so much better knowing that I'm watching your porn versus, you know, a skinny white woman, because that's all there is available, you know, or this fetishized porn of, of fat women too. So it's like, oh, it's always a fetish and it's not seen in a flattering yeah, light. I, I would love for you to speak a little bit on that. Uh, actually, um, the fact that, um, May or or how how has things changed from maybe when you started in the early two thousands to the way um, larger bodies are seen now and and represented now? I think in the early two thousands it was heavily fetishized, and I was part of that. That's how I started, but I started more on the you know bigger body, powerful dominatrix side <laughs> of things. Um, I did dabble in some of the food fetishes of plus size women, but it was really hard for me because I didn't like feeding that idea. Um, there was a lot of money to be made there and it just wasn't, it didn't fit me and my personality at all. It has changed a lot. It still heavily exists. Um, and I, I don't, a lot of the um, like feeder fetishes are not things that I really support because it's, creates a, a long-term unhealthy lifestyle. And I've had arguments or intense discussions with women who do do those fetishes versus I'm like, you know, it all sounds good when you're in your twenties, but when you reach 350 and 400 pounds and you're in your late thirties and forties, it's going to take a toll on your body. And you're going to be looking at me going, Oh, I see why she started to make changes to her, her body. It has nothing to do with the industry and everything to do with how I was feeling my health, et cetera. Um, but I, I don't like the narrative of men who want to fetishize fat women and basically disable them by their weight. Um, and there's so many psychological reasons behind that. I mean, it is, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I don't even know if that's an episode, that's a podcast. Um, and you know, it, it is to me is very negative and I don't like it. And I have been really stubborn about, uh, not feeding that anymore. I would rather portray a plus size, powerful woman and dominate men <laughs> and do that fetish than become this disabled, unhealthy person who, you know, can't even use the bathroom or do basic, you know, necessities solo because they physically can't. I don't think that that should ever be something people are trying to uh, yeah. accomplish or be a goal in life. It's so it's harmful bad for you long-term. Yeah, yeah. Very harmful. And something you said earlier, and this is not to mention like it, like kind of, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off, but like it, it, it's got to make you depressed to not be able to, you know, I don't even like watching the TV shows, even though they try to mean well, I still feel yeah. like it's feeding into that fetish a little yeah. bit, you know, my 600 pound life. Like, yeah, somewhere someone's really enjoying this and I'm looking at it. This is tragic. 
this is this is horrible that someone has let it get this bad that this is their life this really is their lifestyle yeah, I, I agree that is tragic and i'm glad that you put your foot down on not feeding into that type of you know fetish lifestyle yeah there's um something that you mentioned earlier that really stood out to me and me and lotus had talked spoke about this privately before the podcast too uh, when we were planning the season and you were like you mentioned like the perfect or the very common in porn, like the perfect pink pussy and like the skinny white girl and all of this. And me and Lotus had spoke about that too, because there's this idea that like a lot of civilian men and I guess more women hold that like you have to have the perfect vagina to be in porn. You have to have a labiaplasty. You have to, you know, do all of these things. And that's that that's common amongst adult creators. And to us, that seems like so laughable, <laughs> but like, I don't think that that's the norm in our industry. And I think that that is also a misconception that there's all of these things to look a certain way. Whereas on the flip side, I think certain things might just be more viewed by an audience because that's what they're seeking out. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know sometimes that it's that people are seeking it out. If you're constantly being fed something, that is what you're going to keep looking for because that's what's available, especially our algorithms today. But, you know, in the 80s, algorithms weren't a thing. Did these women do these things? Probably. And and the handful of, you know, big stars, that is probably what all of them, they were all doing the exact same thing. So it was true to an extent. Today, I mean, there are so many things we do different today that we're still fighting the stigma, you know, how our testing works. Are we safe while we're having sex and is our health protected? I mean, they don't, a lot of people are very confused on how strict our protocols are that, um, Lotus, I know you, I mean, not that you wouldn't identify with this, Mel, but people who work in a studio performance and have a studio presence, we kind of work on another code of ethics outside of you know, oh, the two week testing period, just like what we're doing in our personal lives, because we're protecting our coworkers too. And I yeah, we, we understand I, it as a larger for the greater good for the whole community. Right. So we're not out there being reckless. Um, and I think with, you know, the pandemic and the way that OnlyFans in, we've got so many more bodies, <laughs> um, not necessarily following all the rules that the rest I, I would call the pros or people with studio presences are doing things, but, um, it's also changed like, you know, we don't have five big performers, big names with the same body type, with the same pussy, with the same, you know what I mean? We've got so many, I've seen so much diversity and I welcome it to an extent. I, I think on the health and safety portion, I get like, eh, I don't want to work with these people. But, you know, when it comes to your question about, you know, is this what we're all doing? We're not. And especially now more than ever, because my neighbors down the street, everybody's doing porn now. And they just turned on their cameras and, you know, posted on a porn hub and OnlyFans. They didn't go bleach anything. They didn't go get a labiaplasty. They didn't get an augmentation. They didn't do those. They just turned it on. Did they after? Maybe. But it, I don't think that that's very, it's not the norm anymore. There isn't five big stars all the same. You know, we have so many. Lotus is one of them. So many great big stars, big names that, you know, carry a huge audience and they all look so different. So, you know, I, I welcome it. I celebrate it. And I, I'm very vocal about the diversity and, and keep pushing for it. So, and I want that to go on long after I retire. Yeah. So no, definitely. I was going to ask you too, because uh, there's this like, 
you, like there's a, an experience that happens in mainstream porn versus the like more content creator adult experience, you know, and, and you kind of alluded to this too. And me and Lotus spoke about this yesterday as well, even specifically on the testing side, how like the content creators who are doing a lot of trade for trade, like I've experienced it where there's content being made without testing and stuff. And that's kind of this nuanced, mm-hmm. almost like new era we've entered into with, that we need to educate our fellow, you know, community members on. But in terms of like shooting and collaborating in within the content creator space more so than mainstream and studio, have you found that that's welcomed? Have you found that it's been easy to collaborate and, and mix and match with all these different community members and creators? Um, I think that it's it's easy to collaborate with pretty much anybody. Me personally, I don't feel safe and comfortable um, doing it anymore. I had I had stopped uh, right before the pandemic offering trade with and only doing trade with the other studio performers, simply because I was already seeing that there was so many you know content shoot events and people were faking their tests and you know I there was a point where our past system, you couldn't verify them anymore. And I was like, I just don't feel safe with this. I'm not doing it this way. I'll stick to the studio performers that I know feel comfortable with. You kind of know a little bit about their background. I feel like we're one big polyamorous family anyway. It's like, you know, we're all watching out for each other. Um, but then once the pandemic hit, I completely just stayed solo except for the studios where I felt very safe. You know, we were even all getting COVID tested within hours of our shooting. And, you know, it was just, I think when it comes to an independent content creator, which I do as well, it's it's really a case by case. Is it easy? It's easy to get access to partners to perform with. I don't think that the the safe the health and safety isn't as easy because you don't really know for sure if that letter has been forged, if it was a friend that's not really a doctor. You know, you don't you just don't know. And it's, for me, it's not it's not for me. But I don't judge anyone who who chooses that. And, you know, I, I've seen it happen at the events. You know, there's tons of content going on. Great. I think there's, you know, you can eliminate things by saying, okay, I'll, I'll do some soft core or, you know, eliminate content, fluid exchange <laughs> if you're not sure. But, you know, people make their choices. And, and um, you know, I'm all about letting people have their, you know, autonomy, do what you're going to do, but just try to do it as safely as possible. Absolutely. I was going to say something you said that stood out right now, uh, especially is that when people are doing content, you mentioned content creation events, and that's very new to like our industry because that's a very independent creator almost space that's been happening. And um, when I've gone to some of these content events, that's one of the things like, cause I'm, I'm in the industry a long time, but I come from a very solo performer space with like just strictly cams for most of my career. So when I started going to some of these content events, that was one of the excite- more exciting things to see was I got to see more diversity at in-person content creation events, despite me being you know, cautious about with the testing and the photo release and the 2257 situation. But aside from that, there was a diverse mix of people. And that like really excited me. Different bodies, different backgrounds, different everything. And that was like something from being in this space a long time. Like when I used to even get on cam, there was no marginalized people on the homepage of the campsites. Like that's newer. So like it's easy to to look back at how far we've come and be like, there's still a lot of work to do, but also like works there's been work done. And like that's exciting to see that some changes 
has taken place, even if it's still a long way to go. So I was wondering too, when because I, I met you in person for the first time at a content creation event. When you were there, like what was your experience at some of when when these events started happening? Like, did you feel like they were diverse and that you're seeing other bodies and, and it being welcomed? Um, I think that <laughs> I always walk in with a little bit of hesitation. I try not to have a chip on my shoulder or be negative, but I'm always prepared for the shock or someone to feel uncomfortable. I mean, let's just take away that I'm plus size, okay? My boobs are huge. <laughs> so people see them and that is a shock factor usually like, oh my God. And then, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, there's a whole big body that comes with these boobs. Um, so I'm always like ready for that shock factor, but I never know how it's gonna be received. Um, I walk in with confidence of really don't care what anyone's gonna say or do at this point. Um, you know, this is, <laughs> the show's going on. It's my business. I'm going to make this work for me. And I try to warm up to people and let them warm up to me. And I have met like you, Mel, you know, Sir and Chrissy. I've met so many great people at content events, um, that I've, you know, now have long friendships with and, you know, we talk and whatever. And so I'm thankful for them, but it, it was all still very like, there's some hesitation from my end. Um, I'm usually the only plus size person. I haven't seen it unless it's an event put on by a plus size group. I'm usually, there's usually only, only one. Um, there's, when it comes to ethnicity, I feel like there's still a lot of work to be done because I felt like even when one we met at, it was predominantly white. Um, I think there was one or two other Latinas. I can't even remember if there was any black men or women there. I don't think there was that day. If you think about I'm, it, I'm not sure. Not especially not the day. I don't think yeah. so. But I'm just saying. Do you see what I'm saying? Like we've come so far. Like now, it, I would vocalize that. Like, well, why aren't these people on this list? Like, why aren't they coming to this event? But at the time, I wasn't thinking that way because I'm still trying to make my body <laughs> be accepted before I start jumping into ethnicities and all the other things that come with it. Um, but. Now it's more of like, all right, and do I have to be with only 20-year-olds? Are there other 40-year-olds here? Am I going to be the only old bitch there? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, there's a lot more that I think when I walk into an event or just anything, I, I want to make sure that there's representation, you know, of the trans community, the gay, everybody needs to be included here. And, um, and, I, and I do celebrate when people, you know, are aware and are trying. Um, I know sometimes it's challenging because I know that I've been part of the planning of events and so-and-so didn't want to come because they haven't done it in the past. And I'm like, we can be mad that we weren't included in the past and not show up, or we can try to get past that so we can represent, so we can show that they're trying to change. Cause then I feel like then it's just a negative and a negative. We're not getting anywhere. So, you know, um, unless somebody has, made a point to be, um, you know, racist or full on as fat shaming. I'm not opposed to letting, being open, like people change, people learn, people grow, and we have to let people do that instead of holding to that one time you did this. I'm never forgiving you. <laughs> we don't get, nobody wins that way. Yeah, I completely agree with your mindset with that. Um, we have to be able to let people grow and allow them to grow instead of holding them to the fire for one mistake of the past. Um, unless it was along the lines, like you said, um, I love how you represent 
all people, not just like large bodies, when you say like diversity and representation, um, what would you say to like a young BBW on the come up that is still trying to find her place in the industry? Like, what would you speak to the young performers like trying to um, find their lane and make a name for themselves as far as like how you got to the place where you're just so confident and you're not taking anybody's shit. You're not listening to the trolls. Like what, what is your words of advice there? Well, I tell every um, girl that I coach to, to find a coach, find a mentor, find someone who can help you through these things because it isn't easy for any of us. You know, we've just got an added socially acceptable, you know, stigma that people pick on still. Um, I tell them you need to have a, a mentor or coach that can help walk you through it. And you really do have to know how to trust your gut and your instincts because there are a lot of people who will play nice this way because they want something from you and really they hate fat women. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and it, that crosses, you know, the gay and trans community, it, it, it crosses all of the black community. It, it's all of us. Like we, I feel like as a fat person, the marginalization is, it crosses so many other communities. And like, you have to just constantly be aware that people will do things. They will play nice to your face to get what they want from you when they really aren't supporting the community as a whole. And so I feel like the fight is kind of the same. We're still fighting to be seen and be heard and be accepted and included across all the board. Um, so I tell these girls, you have to find, you have to trust what you're feeling. And if something doesn't feel right to not go, not do it. Don't go with it. Don't be fearful because you're fat, <laughs> you know, because you need to show up. You need to represent. So there's, you got to have that much confidence. And I feel like if you're not able to do that, you shouldn't probably be trying to get into the industry in all honesty, because it is very cruel. Um, and people say that all the time, like, how do you deal with it? I was like, you know, I don't read the Reddit. I don't read the comments on socials. I do not care. I look at the numbers. I look what I turned. I look what I paid. I looked at how it resulted on the other end for me. If I care about what people are saying, I probably would not still be here. <laughs> um, and I mean, when I first started, the, one of the first comments that was ever said about me on the internet was, look at her. She's as big as the door behind her. That has sat in my head for years. And it was just because of the way I was posed that, yeah, I was as wide as the door, but I wasn't actually that wide. And I was like, I could have let that one comment right then end everything. But I also had to go, okay, well, who is this person? What does he look like? Where's his photo? You know, a lot of people say things and do things because it's their own insecurities and it's speaking. They're speaking, they're projecting. Truly. So, yes. So I just let people, and I have to tell the girls, you just got to trust what you're feeling and how things resonate with you when you walk into a room and you're interacting with someone, you'll know. Um, and that's also then what your coach is for to help you like decipher it if you're not sure. Um, and kind of develop that instinct. I think with those two things, you can really run in this industry and, and be very successful. I, I really love that do. you said that too, because I think that having 
like having such a bulletproof skin in general is needed like in this space because even if you're just like a social media creator like even those creators are getting picked apart and they're not even nude where you they're not as exposed as as content creators like ourselves are and industry workers so like i remember one time i was like going through i went in my instagram i don't do this anymore but i went in my instagram comments i was like i wonder what this is about like whatever and they were just tearing apart my nose. Like, oh, she's had so many nose jobs. I'm like, that's the one thing like I had never, ever been insecure about. And I'm like over here looking like, oh, my nose. <laughs> like we can't oh, do that. Do I need a nose job? Yeah. I was like, I haven't had one, but do I need one? Like it makes you, it'll get in your head if you give it the space to like, you know, get insidious and crawl and grow and, and miss, I don't know. But I think that skin and that self-confidence and also, like you said, that intuition to know like, these people don't – I don't think they have my best interest in mind and I don't think if there wasn't some kind of transaction happening, if they would still lift me up or support me or what have you. Because like especially for – Are they really trying yeah, to – Yeah, we have that intuition where it's like the vibe is off. Yeah. And I have to tell them like it's okay to say no. It's okay to say not this time. There will be other opportunities. And I think when you're plus size and you're marginalized, you, you're more eager because you don't want to miss those opportunities. But trust that I have said no many a times. I mean, there was a good six, seven years that I was being, please do hardcore, please do boy girl. And I was just not ready. Guess what? It actually worked out for me because then the day I debuted in a hardcore scene, I was viral because it was finally there, you know? Um, there's always more opportunity. So we can't feel pressured because we're going to miss this opportunity. And there are so many sleazy people trying to do sleazy porn and just take advantage, especially of fat women, because they think that we're desperate. They want to be famous. They want to be the star, <laughs> you know? They do the same thing with black women. That's why that unfortunate side ghetto gagger still yes. trolls a lot of us black women, like asking us years into our career, like, oh, shoot for us, shoot for us. And like, you have to just keep blocking them because they think you're going to eventually break down and be desperate and do the kind of thing that doesn't uplift us but like degrades us. And I think that speaks to the same thing that you were saying with like feeder porn when it comes to like large body the women. fetishes, yes. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's fine if there's women that want to do that, but over here we're uplifting and we're empowering. And I, I really like that you stand for that a lot. Yeah, no, all of us. And it's for all of us. And, you know, I don't, I, I at one point realized, I woke up and just went, you know, you're, you're doing good by representing fat women, but what about Latin women? What about older women? You grew up in the black community. You know what everybody's facing. What about, I have a, a, a trans aunt, you know, I'm like, I, my, I grew up in the gay community. You know, I had, um, my first husband was raised by two women, you know, and this is seventies and eighties. That was unheard of. Like you represent so many people and it's all the same fight. So you need to really broaden your umbrella too. And, and those are things you learn as you go. And it's really important because I would hate, I mean, I think there is also like Latin face fuckers or something yeah. where it's the same type of, you're just dehumanizing Latin women in a way and making us look so bad. And I'm like, I will never shoot for you. Stop asking me. <laughs> like, and it's not because I'm elitist or think this or that of myself. It is because it does not overall uplift what I'm trying to make powerful and secure for a space for other women to exist and, you know, we're worth more than being degraded. And I, and I really just think that kind of porn is 
I, I feel like it should be dying. I see less and less of it, you know. Um, my other thing is I never want to take roles where I am cast as a fat person who is, again, either being fetishized and or is just playing the joke, the butt, the butt of every joke. Like, it is good to laugh at yourself. I'm the first one to make a fat joke about myself. But you don't want to live in that space. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to be cast as the fat girl in a in a porno even. Like you're there just to be the, the token fat person or the fat person that's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm able to put, articulate what I'm trying to I say. I do get but what you're you saying want- though. Cause I've seen in, even just in mainstream culture, how there's been a shift from like the fat character being like the butt of the joke, the like, like, the humor person instead of like a serious person that can be loved exactly. or, or be seen as sexy. And, you know, I think that that narrative is definitely changing. I see more actresses that are large bodies being celebrated and not just like comedian women, you know? Um, so I think right. that, that people like yourself, um, I, I definitely tend to think um, the porn industry um, influences mainstream a lot more than they would like to admit. 100%. Um, so yes. I've always maintained that and nobody wants to give yeah, us credit. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. think they're trying to give we us know. the credit, but I definitely feel like the rise of women like yourself and countless others in the BBW space have given... Um, attention to the fact that you garner positive attention when positive light is shined on you and not in a negative, you know, negative way, like it's been done before. So, yeah. Right. I, I see and that's, it. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's something like, you know, I wanted to do a feature where a plus size performer is the star, not the co-star, not, not that we can't be those things, but celebrated as a desirable sought after the same way that we've done with many of the other stars. Um, I, that's what I want to see, whether it's me or someone else, that is something I want to see. I always want it to be someone of color because the white girl has just been done. <laughs> no shade, Melrose. I know no, you I know that. Okay. Couldn't I just more. have to keep champion for it as much as I can, because that it's just, such, it, especially in the plus size community, there's just not, I mean, there's more of us now, but it's just still not enough. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see a feature with you. I could see it right now, like some boss bitch feature with your money background and you're like making moves and calling <laughs> shots, you know, and you like that? taking all the dick that you want. I yes. <laughs> yeah. Taking all the pussy too, not yes, just exactly. Dick. Pussy and dick. Yes. Your your order is up to that. <laughs> I, I um when I first started in the industry, somebody was saying, You're changing the world. I was like, I'm taking it over one boner at a time. <laughs> gonna do it um and and here i am 17 years later wow this is still happening um but it is something i I want to see happen when like i said i'd love it to be me but you know i'm realistic with my age in this industry and you know granted there are others older considerably older still going um i i would love to just see somebody with that capability to really be in a feature um where she is the star and not like you said the comedian, the comedic factor in, in anything. Um, Cause I think it's important. And I think to see that translate into mainstream society too is important. Cause even the things where I've seen, you know, like my mom was like, Oh, you should watch this movie called Duff. And it was designated ugly fat friend or something like that. I don't, I was like, I just don't think I want to watch something like she goes, but it was really funny. It was super cute. And I was like, 
it's still putting fat and ugly in the same sentence. And I'm sorry, I'm fat, but I don't mean I'm ugly. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, the, the two are synonymous and they're not supposed to be and they shouldn't be. And, you know, those are the things that I'm like, no, I'm fighting this. I'm changing this. We're going to change this. And I'm not alone. And that's what I'm so thankful. I'm no longer alone. I feel like in 2006, boy, it was, there was just a handful of us. And now there's just I have support from everybody like Lotus and Mel and, and I feel like, you know, so much of the Brazzers family, like they, when I came on, they were just like welcoming and I'm like shocked by it going, people are really celebrating this and happy and, and that's good. You know, it's such a huge, huge step for, I think all of us. Um, and I just want that momentum and I want it to keep going. <laughs> so. Yeah. I love that you talked about age too, because like, I know you and I both share friendship with like Ruby and Rex, who I'm like obsessed with. And like, they're this older couple that's rocking it out. They are rocking it. It's amazing to see. I would say that it's because they're older and rocking it. Like people want to see that. We don't ever see. People love to see confidence. Yeah. Yeah. We don't ever see older bodies in a sexual way, really being like playful and loving and like, succeeding like it i honestly cannot say i've seen that so I, I mean yeah that's great not their dynamic and i think it's amazing it's the same thing with sir and chrissy and their dynamic i love them um I, you know i saw them a couple nights ago and and i was like you know there's a lot of poly couples but they didn't go in saying we're poly just calling it my perfect harem was the perfect name that it piqued my interest to going, what is this? This is kind of cool, you know, versus I'm like, oh, okay. It's not that I hate poly people. It's just like, it's been done a lot. Let's call it something else. And just the way they, it was creative marketing, creative, all of it was very creative and very successful. Um, and I, you know, it's Ruby and Rex, it's the same thing. I'm like, you guys just found something that was, and I think I also like the, the perfect harem thing too, because he's not like, look at me. I'm the king with all these women. Yeah, he's very, exactly. you can tell he's very loving. warm and loving and very welcoming yeah. to everybody. And I, and I really think I really appreciate that. And Ruby and, and Rex, I met at a dinner and they, they, again, they were like super supportive. I, again, when we are in a marginalized or niche community where it's not common, I feel like that's your family. That should be your family. Those are the people that should be supporting you. So when I told them, Oh, you know, I'm this, plus size performer, you know, I, I work for all these studios. I do all this stuff. I've been doing it for this long. They were like, yeah, like, so you're like this, you know, weird, rare anomaly, not weird, rare anomaly, anomaly. I am too. Let's all be friends. <laughs> you know, this is, we all have to support each other, you know, because we are the trailblazers. We're all of us in our own right, you know? Absolutely. That's like a, I think that's a powerful place to stop. Where can everyone go follow you and find all your content and anything else you want to plug? Let them know. Um, so my one stop for everything is I love Sophia Rose dot live L I V E. Um, my Instagram is Sophia Rose live. That is my only Instagram there. Anything else is fake. I do have a lot of catfishes out there. Um, and my Twitter is BBW Sophia Rose. TikTok is I love Sophia Rose and yeah, just Google me. It comes up <laughs> as far as plugging anything. No, just follow me on ePlay. I love to play Call of Duty. I game. It's a great time. It's a great place to get to see me, know me, you know, watch my aggressive side come out. <laughs> I still haven't rage quit, but <laughs> I do get mad. I get mad. 
honestly, I didn't game for so long for the reason I thought fans would be turned off by how competitive I am. Oh, <laughs> so I was testing everybody out yesterday. I was like, why am I playing with all these idiots? You know, and then someone got on the <laughs> mic and go, why did you do that? I'm like, thank you. And I was like, you know, I grew up with a lot of boys. I have a lot of younger brothers. And I just sometimes my male energy really is present. <laughs> And when I get on Call of Duty or Halo, it just shows up. And it's like, this is so unattractive. But you know what? In this case, it works for me. My tips go up the minute I start talking trash and getting angry. <laughs> so, that is hilarious. If I can monetize that too, I'll take it. Yeah, isn't it funny? But anyway, there's all the places you can find me. Just Google my name, Sophia Rose. I also come up everywhere. And yeah, I, I love to meet new fans and see my fans and interact with my fans. And my fellow performers. Thank you so much for this, Sophia. This has been awesome yeah. talking to you. Thank, Thank you. So you. Thanks Thank for having me, guys. Good to see you both. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education, stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms. Their platform, Tris.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. And I'm Lotus Lane, and you can find me on all social media at It's Lotus Lane, which is spelled I-T-S-L-O-T-U-S-L-A-I-N.